Tucson Business Radio is proud to present Home Care Today, where the veil is lifted and we navigate our way through the Tucson home care industry. Proudly sponsored by Caring Senior Service Tucson. Your hosts, Cindy Scheller and Mark Bishop. And welcome, everybody, to another Home Care Today, proudly sponsored by Caring Senior Service, Tucson's leading home care provider. Your hosts are... Cindy Schaller. And Mark Bishop. And, you know, we're here to lift the veil on home care today and navigate our way through with experienced guest partners. Our mission is to ensure you, our listeners, come away with loads of information that's helpful to you. And today, our special guests are Hope Noble. She is a senior marketing director at Catalina Springs Memory Care. Welcome, Hope. It's good to have you. Thanks, Cindy. It's good to be here. Thank you. And our second guest today is Morgan Hartford. Welcome. Uh, Morgan is the Southern Arizona Community Executive for the Alzheimer's Association for Desert Southwest Chapter. That is a mouthful, Mark. (laughs) Man, tell you what. Well, thank you so much for having us on. Yeah. It's great to have you. Absolutely. Morgan, I'd like to start with you. I, I hear the terms, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia, Uh, used interchangeably. What's the difference between the two? You know, Mark, that's probably the most common question that we get and and likely uh, people in this um, industry, you know, that this in this area of expertise really get because there's still so much misunderstanding about these diseases. So Alzheimer's is just one of many different forms of neurocognitive disorder. Um, that causes changes in memory, thinking, or judgment that get worse over time. But it's not the only one. Alzheimer's accounts for between 60 and 80% of all types of dementia, but there are many other forms out there too, like vascular dementia or frontotemporal dementia, mm-hmm. um, even Parkinson's dementia. Well, can you put the impact of Alzheimer's in, into context for our listeners then? Yeah, well, if we think about the impact of Alzheimer's, a number of people impacted, for example. So in the United States, we're looking at 6 million people living with Alzheimer's disease today and over 11 million unpaid caregivers. These are family members, friends, extended networks of folks that are not, um, you know, they're providing unpaid care to their family members. And then if you think about all of the paid care that's that happens across the country in addition to that, uh, it's just this uh, astounding network of people that are providing support to those living with Alzheimer's. And Arizona is at the epicenter of this Alzheimer's crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, right now in Arizona, 150,000 people are living with Alzheimer's disease today. We're expected to see that. Um, this in, is throughout the whole state. This is throughout the state, exactly. We're mm-hmm. expecting to see that continue to increase to over 200,000 uh, by tw- just by 2025. Wow. So we see mm-hmm. this you know, exponential increase of people affected by the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fastest rate of growth for Alzheimer's in the country is happening right here. Caregivers here in Arizona are providing more care per week than any any other state in the country. Over 38 hours of ca- unpaid care for family caregivers that are, that are providing care to their loved ones here. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, how many people are affected? You touched on, I think, the national is 6 million? Six million nationwide. Six yep. million nationwide, and we're talking 150,000 and growing Here as far as Southern Arizona is concerned. What are the costs of this disease? Well, we think about the costs uh, to the national economy. You know, we think about the the unpaid caregivers are often at the sort of the forefront of our thoughts because these are the family members that are initially providing care before a loved one, before they bring in home care, before they, they move to a, a residential uh, setting. Um, which is often, you know, provides so much more um, support to those caregivers. But without that, we have caregivers that are dropping out of the workforce. It's costing our country $257 billion in 2021. That's the cost of unpaid care um, for family caregivers. That's amazing. And it's it's not just about money, Mark, because when you talk about family caregivers, uh, a lot of them are – Loss of revenue from income because they, they're quitting their jobs, right? It's mm-hmm. multi-generational households many times. So the stress of being a family caregiver is tremendous because you're put into a position of being the caregiver and not the daughter or the son, right? That's Morgan? exactly right. 
Do we know why there's why Alzheimer's is so prevalent in Arizona right now? Do we have any inkling of what's what's pushing those numbers? Well, there are a couple of factors that we think are really responsible for that. So we think about the greatest risk for Alzheimer's is age. So as we get older, the risk goes all, of Alzheimer's goes up. So at age 65, about one in 10 of us will have the disease. At age 85, one in three of us will have the disease. And we think about the number of older people that are living here in Arizona. We have a higher number of people over age 65. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the, the rate of the disease and the growth rate of Alzheimer's continues to increase here. But that's not the only reason. We also know that, you know, Arizona is a diverse state, too. And we know that our uh, Latino communities are at one and a half times greater risk for developing Alzheimer's disease than their white counterparts. And, you know, Arizona's 30 percent Latino. And um, many times the Latino population is a very underserved population with support services. And so. Absolutely. That's one of the things that we saw in our recent facts and figures report was these health disparities that, yeah. you know, Alzheimer's doesn't affect everybody the same way. And and our health system certainly doesn't respond the same way for, for everybody. Yeah. And while our eyes were kind of laser focused on COVID-19 in 2020, and, and rightfully so, right, because everybody was dealing with it, there were no, noteworthy developments in the Alzheimer's disease research. So we'd love to hear about some of those um, outcomes can you share those with us? Absolutely. So there were some tremendous breakthroughs um, that had been happening before 2020, but that were really sort of unveiled just in this last year. And a few of those outside of the one that you may be hearing more about right now, which is aducanumab, this, uh, which could could be the first disease-modifying drug approved by the Food and Drug Administration up for um, a potential approval uh, this June. But wow. there were some other ones, ones that treat insomnia. We've got another anti-amyloid drug that clears amyloid for the brain as well. We've got blood tests that are closer than ever now where the blood test could potentially detect Alzheimer's disease 20 years before symptoms start. Wow, that's good. Which and would it, be huge. Yeah, That's and it would huge. be it would be great if we just had family members mm-hmm. and clients that were we're just starting to see minor, um, like people having kind of word salad where you can't find your words or you forget your sentences. Like is that terribly frustrating? It and, is. You know, my frustrating. mother-in-law had it, and I, I fell for her terribly. You know, it, it was sad to sit and watch it. And I think the worst part is, you know, when I was in that field is knowing that you're slipping but you don't know why and that makes people really have a lot of anxiety absolutely yeah the stress the anxiety to go along with this if we could curtail that by tests that could detect the biomarkers for this disease much like we do for heart disease right you know we use the cholesterol as a, mar- a biomarker for heart disease right um, we, if we could do the same for alzheimer's we could do a lot for early detection risk reduction even prevention down the road because there are and and i know hope's going to talk about this i'm sure but there's exercises there's a lot of um, brain function activities that you can do so that you're just not sitting in your chair reading all day or watching TV all day. You're exercising your brain. Mm-hmm. And um, I know my mom plays Sudoku, and she loves to do that. That's what she does. Yep. Um, <laughs> she's not sure if it helps her or not, but <laughs> it's go. one of the things that she does. Well, we find, you know, the, the research is pointing out that more and more the the new and novel ways that we can use our brains learning new things can be really can be a helpful way in recruiting uh, networks in our brain that can come in as backup for example if other parts are damaged or, or you know need need help we're going to come back on that topic. You are listening to Home Care Today. It's a show all about trying to help you. And don't forget, Home Care Today is here for you to ask questions. Anything you need help with, by all means, right into the show. Um, you know, call uh, uh, Cindy's company, which give the number now is a good idea, Cindy. Yes, so my company is Caring Senior Service, and the number is 520-428-0143, or you can just dial 1-800-SENIOR-CARE, and we'll take care of you. Our second guest today is Hope. Lots of hope. She's the marketing director of Catalina (laughs) Springs Memory Care. I want to ask you straight out of the box, what is it do you think? (laughs) What is it that sets Catalina Springs Memory Care apart? 
Well, I think the answer to that kind of folds right into that. What do we do that helps our folks be a little bit more active, keep their brain sort of functioning? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that's really unique to Catalina Springs and Frontier Management, actually our overseeing company, is that we follow what we call our SPARK programming. So it's a Montessori-inspired program, which encourages our residents to be part of their community. So unlike some of these big senior living communities that are for retirement and more recreational Our programming model is much more functional, meaning that our goal is that our residents have a social role. They still have something to do in the community. If that's helping set up for meals or helping clear from meals, um, if that's helping another resident. We have a resident who's a nurse who enjoys assisting another resident neighbor of hers. um, And she knows that's kind of her job because it's her, her neighbor and she needs help. And so by allowing our residents to do those things, we allow them to keep that purpose, which actually keeps them functioning at a higher level for a lot longer. So do I get a computer and an executive desk and a phone and (laughs) an iPhone so I can text people when I go down that path? Hey, if that's what you need, that's what she'll do. Okay, Um, good. We get pretty creative about creating jobs for people that are related to what they might enjoy doing or maybe even their job function. Um, You know, if they want to help me with mailers because they were a secretary, they might be doing that. So we'll find find something for you too, Cindy. All right. I'm I'm counting on it. I'm (laughs) counting on it. Hope, I did have a question from a friend for you. Um, She was asking me how memory care staff um, get their residents to do what they need to do. (laughs) I mean, apparently this is not easy. It's it's like finding the dining room or knowing it's bedtime or or (laughs) even when the, the next resident activity is. So a lot of times I think that's where families kind of get into a pigeonhole because it's, mom, do you want to do this? And somebody with dementia might not be comfortable with something that sounds scary or foreign. And so our care staff are so good about just saying, hey, why don't we go do this or come help me with this? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of residents like to help. So if you say, hey, can you come help me set up for dinner? Um, they're going to be glad to go and then we'll show them the way or just the let's go do this rather than even giving the option. So we really get to learn each of our residents and what works for them. And I think that's the important thing to remember is that what, what works for one person might not work for everybody. So we have to know the person. Right. And that's critical because if you're giving somebody with Alzheimer's or dementia, especially in later stages, complex instructions and complex choices. There, It's like, you know what it's like, Mark? It's like um, you have a drawer of silverware, okay? Mm-hmm. And you're holding that drawer of silverware over the dining table, mm-hmm. dining room table, and everybody around you is talking. Like, there's 10 people around the table talking, mm-hmm. and then you start slowly dumping that silverware on the table, and then I start talking to you, asking you questions. Will you understand what I'm saying. It's very chaotic, very confusing, right? So yep. simplifying that yep. for these folks. And you're telling really me important. that the person doing that wouldn't realize what they're doing? No, I'm saying like if I was they would they wouldn't they wouldn't be able to sort out it's too much going on. Too much going, going on. on. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. To answer the question. Okay. And mm. I've seen that happen with a family recently where it was, we're trying to get information and I've got two different people asking the same question over and over and over and the resident's getting very frustrated. Right. So that's where we come in and say, okay, let's stop. <laughs> let's focus. One question. And when I asked that question very clearly, the resident answered it very clearly. Right. So it's about giving people more time to process that they need. Absolutely. And remind me are your residents grouped by cognitive level because if i remember right (laughs) isn't the community in like a a u or a circle we're shaped into we're we're a larger community that's split into two neighborhoods that are shaped in squares so the goal is it was purposefully built for memory care completely wrong so no (laughs) yeah no so so it basically is to where the residents can can go in a circle all day but they're not hitting a dead end there's always a place to go there's always something to do um and we don't really group by cognitive level anymore only because Cognitive levels change, and so we need to be able to adapt and not feel like people have to move. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our goal is to really meet that resident where they are. And it actually, I think, works really well. Both of our neighborhoods have a lot of really high-functioning residents Mm -hmm. and some lower-functioning residents, and it, it all just works. 
And I think the activities that you guys provide are really tremendous. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you. I mean, share with us, if you would, uh, what types of uh, projects yeah. uh, that your uh, residents are working through. Uh, I think it's called the Spark Program, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, that's what she mentioned earlier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so through Spark, um, our residents have our coffee roasting program. So we call it Catalina Coffee Creations. <laughs> um, our residents actually roast their own coffee beans. They do get to enjoy their own coffee beans. They drink it. Um, but we also also package it. We do a lot of fundraisers for the Alzheimer's Association, but it's really fun for the residents knowing that they're doing the coffee for a purpose. Um, a new project we're taking on now, we're collecting grocery bags to do, um, they're actually going to make sleeping mats. For I've those, seen those. Those are so yeah, cool. For those folks who have found themselves homeless in our community, yeah. um, you actually crochet grocery bags together. So we've got some ladies who crochet. Isn't that lovely? They're going to yeah. teach us how to crochet um, and we're going to make these. It takes like 500 bags and a lot of man hours so wow. it's going to be a big project but they're excited that's awesome and mm -hmm. you know the thing i love about the spark program and if i remember it correctly it really focuses on what people can do instead of what they can't do absolutely absolutely and that's our goal is to focus on their purpose right their social yeah. role and what that looks like we can also do things that build on procedural memory so if they're having trouble eating um, we've got some fun little games where they use an ice cream scoop and are scooping golf balls into a muffin tin and it might seem kind of silly they're matching colors so it's kind of creating that complex but just the motion of scooping allows them to remember how to use a fork or use a spoon. Um, and so that when they're eating, it's actually a functional thing to be doing. And they can actually regain some independence that they maybe didn't have before. Mm. So it's a really, really cool program. Um, so how, what, what, uh, what questions should families ask then when, when yeah. touring yeah. A, a memory care community? I think the most important thing for them to know is that their loved one and their journey are all going to be different. So I think everybody thinks that everyone with dementia is the same. Mm -hmm. And they're all very similar. Um, and we see similar attributes, but not everybody's experience is going to be the same. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to know where your loved one is at, um, to have a conversation. I've got more and more residents living with dementia and Alzheimer's who are having a say into where they move. Um, and I think that's really important because... The more accepting the resident is, the easier the transition can be. Mm -hmm. So start the conversations earlier on. Um, I've got people starting those conversations at diagnosis now, which is so important um, because that makes that transition so much smoother down the road. Yeah. Um, and just knowing that, you know, a lot of people want to hang on and wait and wait and wait until they absolutely can't wait anymore. What a lot of folks don't understand is that makes the transition harder because usually the loved one is much more progressed in the disease process and right. then transitioning them to a whole new setting rocks their world. Um, right. So if, uh, if a family member is touring a memory care and they walk in the door, what's, what's one of the top three questions or top two questions that they could ask about that community? Yeah, I would ask, you know, I would definitely ask what their what their program philosophy is like. So find out, you know, is my loved ones, what are really, what are their activities like? And I use that word loosely because I feel like we have much more of a program than an activities you know schedule mm -hmm. um but what are the what the what are the residents doing it's more than bingo it's more than bingo we play bingo. we like doing music bingo mm -hmm. which is kind of more fun because it engages some more right. of that reminiscence <laughs> but um but not just doing things like simple bingo and number calling you want to really yeah. see that the residents are engaged and involved so uh, gee it's hard isn't it are there new things coming out every year that you guys learn like not so much games, but activities uh, that you recommend that they get into. I mean, again, I think that goes back to that personalized care. So I think, you know, Cindy was talking about her, her mother-in-law enjoying Sudoku. I think that's great. And Morgan said learning new things is important. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's what we try to do is just do new things. This grocery bag project came out of left field. Um, and we just were like, well, that's pretty cool. Who's doing that? Let's try it. And so we had a resident committee and we sat down with the residents and ha said, hey, what do you guys think? And between our two neighborhoods, one of the one of the neighborhoods loved it. The other one was like, no, thanks. Right, <laughs> so right. we're not going to do it over there. And that's fine. Well, I was going to ask you, is there something that you want the community to know <laughs> about the residents yeah. of Catalina Springs? Yeah, I think that's, you know, we look at dementia and Alzheimer's as 
just another thing that's happening, like heart disease. You don't know mm-hmm. if somebody has heart disease by looking at them. It's the same thing with dementia. Mm-hmm. And so I think we try to put I guess take some of that fear out of it that life can still be normal. We can still do things that give back to the community. And it's respect, right? It's meeting somebody where they're at. Yes. And I think that's the biggest gift we can give all of our clients and patients across the community is making sure that you get that kind of respect. So if you walk into a memory care and you're touring and Um, the person that's touring you is only looking you at you the daughter and not looking at mom at all not directing any questions to mom at all it's probably something that you should really that should spark (laughs) idea to question that behavior yeah you want to make sure we're addressing every single resident by their name by what they like to be called Um, you know if I come across a tour and a resident needs help I'm I'm going to stop my tour to go help the resident first. Mm -hmm. And I think most families would prefer that. They want to know that their loved one's going to be cared for. And that's what we do is we take care of each individual and treat them as adult individuals. Absolutely. Um, I think that's important. And and if somebody wants to check to see, um, you know, if there's been deficiencies uh, in regulations on Mm -hmm. a community, where can they go? Yeah. So the Arizona Department of Health Services um, keeps track of all of those surveys. And so they can go to Arizona Department of Health. I don't know the exact website, but they can go and search um, by community and see everything that has come up on any survey, which is important too. Um, a lot of it's documentation, but I would question the community. I've had people come ask, hey, I saw this on the, the DHS website. What is that all about? And I think it's a matter of that honesty and transparency. Well, especially coming out of year of COVID, right? Because every Everybody in the healthcare field was just scrambling to take care of residents, patients, clients, and it wouldn't surprise me if just about every healthcare facility in Tucson had some type of deficiency, just because yeah. everybody was running to make sure everybody else was taken care of. So, definitely. yeah, definitely ask the community, and um, that's the De- Arizona Department of Health, that you can go um, check up. And Morgan, I'm going to bounce to you, Morgan. Yeah. Well, I remember when you walked in, I did say to you, gee, it's getting hotter. Yes, right? I, I do. It concerns yeah. me for the elderly yeah. a little, you know? Yeah. Well, and it's true. Yeah, people with dementia certainly are at risk um, this time of year as things start to heat up here in Arizona. And, and so extreme weather situations like, you know, what we're about, <laughs> we're fixing to experience can have a significant impact on everyone's safety, right? So um, how do you think it's particularly stressful and and confusing for folks with Alzheimer's and uh, dementia? Yeah, well, this year, I mean, this this time of year is tough for lots of reasons. But like all of us, you know, things start to we start to get warm, we start to get a little agitated. You may even no. see some increase in behaviors <laughs> if no. you know people we didn't, don't. <laughs> not you agitated. Well, I don't know about you. I agitated. Come on, yeah. I can't believe you'd say such a thing. I know it's true. It's true. <laughs> but you, you may see people with dementia become more restless, more agitated. You may see an increase in some of those behaviors as the weather starts to heat up a. Little little bit mm-hmm. I think the thing that we most well, that's normal isn't it it's normal for all of us yeah absolutely you know right? you, you can't point just, the finger they just look a little different for people with dementia they may express it a little bit differently right um but the underlying cause is really you know it may really be heat related so we have to keep that in mind and mm-hmm. prepare accordingly yeah and and so for our families for our clients and residents what are some of the things that we can do to once once our temperatures start going up to the stratosphere like what what can we do to help well i think the biggest thing we have to do is make a plan right so know Always. that if your cooler goes out in tucson where are you going to go you know is there another yep. place that you can go to stay cool this is a big one isn't it absolutely i think this gets um what's the word i think this gets forgotten about a little bit it does it's very and, dangerous and for the there, elderly mark i'll tell you there was um and well there's probably been a couple of them but a few years ago i don't remember exactly when it was there was an assisted living home that failed to um it was a care home and they failed to provide adequate air conditioning and um i think that 
you know, she's she's doing a little bit of jail time for that because you have to have backup plans. I remember our air conditioning. My mother lives with us. She's 80. And our our air conditioning went out. And I called Lynn, who owns a care home, Lynn and Veronica. And I said, oh, my <laughs> gosh, our air conditioning. And they brought over their extra. They've got rollaway ones for their care homes and they loaned them to us until we got our air conditioning fixed Mm -hmm. and then we scurried to get it back to them so have a backup plan what else have a backup plan know where you can go with your loved one if needed Um, pay attention at night too. those temperatures often here in tucson they stay above 75 degrees so you want to make sure your loved one is in loose fitting cool clothing Um, it's not uncommon for people with dementia to pile on clothing they may not remember or know that they should they don't need more than one layer so really keep an eye on that too. redirect them if needed mm-hmm. so that they're not you know trying to continue to pile on that clothing there keep in mind too that people with dementia their internal thermostat may be different too so they may not really have a sense of as hot or cold as we may feel, they may not know that Mm -hmm. internally. So it's really up to us to keep an eye on that. Um, Of course, keeping hydrated as much as possible and making sure that you've got safety plans in case somebody uh, decides to wander because that certainly could be deadly. Well, that happens, doesn't it? All the time. Mm -hmm. Hope, do you have padlocks on your doors or how does it work? (laughs) I mean, So we're a secured setting, so the neighborhood doors are locked. Our residents do have courtyard spaces that they have open access to. But even we lock those courtyard doors when we get those heat advisories that it's going to be over Mm -hmm. 115, those doors get locked. Um, Because while we can see into them, in that type of heat, it takes five minutes for a resident to overheat, and we don't want to to run that risk. And so, and, and you know, and you often see on the news too, Cindy, somebody's lost, mm-hmm. you know, at that age, and probably are suffering from dementia. Well, we, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, how do they get out? That's what I want to know. Sometimes they just walk out. We we had a client one time who um, had a roommate, and she was supposed to be keeping. It was a brand new case for us. We were starting later that day. She was supposed to be keeping an eye on him, so she decided to take a shower, and he booked it. And um, you know, you call nine one one, and uh, the the caregiver went early and started looking for him. And you know, the good news is he was found and. Uh, encouraged the family to place him because he was not happy about not remembering what was going on. And this guy was super creative, wonderful individual, and I think he may have even moved to Catalina. Um, And it's so dangerous because if, you know, they're going to get sunburned, they're going to get heat stroke, we we can lose people in the summer heat. So a lot of it is the community right hope keeping an eye on everyone making sure those outdoor uh, those patio doors are locked and making sure you know where your residents are yep and that's the thing that a secured setting can do is there is always staff and care you know somebody at home you go to the grocery store and you know if you leave a loved one at home maybe they've never left before but that day they might forget that you left to the grocery store right and if they're still living in assisted living they can just walk out the door mm-hmm. in independent and some assisted livings. You know, they don't have to sign in and out. And so mm-hmm. oftentimes if somebody decides to, you know, uh, escape or not escape. When they're determined to they're, get somewhere, they're going to try to get wherever they're going. Right. And it can take time to find them. Mm-hmm. It's dangerous. You got to love them. Yeah. Well, you're listening to Home Care Today on Tucson Business Radio. And uh, we're going to come back and ask Morgan in a moment about services provided by the Alzheimer's Association. But what I'd like to do is take a message from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Jeff Salter, and I'm the founder and CEO of Caring Senior Service. To celebrate 30 years of caring and to launch our movement to close the gap in senior care, I'll be riding my electric bike 9,000 miles to visit our 45 locations across the U.S. Along the way, I hope to raise awareness of the needs of seniors in every community. We need more people to become caregivers, more technology focused on senior needs, and we need more entrepreneurs starting senior care-related businesses. To learn more, go to CaringSeniorService.com. Okay, Morgan, before the break, we were saying about the Alzheimer's Association's programs and services. Can you share that with us? Well, the Alzheimer's Association has a number of free programs and services for families or anybody impacted by Alzheimer's disease. Um, people living with the disease themselves may even utilize some of our services, too. And I think the, the most common point of contact 
is our 24-hour helpline. Mm -hmm. This is available anytime that families need it, uh, whether that's just a quick question you have uh, about finding services near you, whether that's um, answering more difficult questions about behaviors, for example, in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. um, that emotional support that a person might need. Uh, people can call that number 24 hours a day at 800-272-3900 and talk to a clinical social worker that can um, provide that level of support and resources near them whenever they need it. Which is super helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's good to know. That um, is good to know. Yeah, and I think the Alzheimer's Association is a resource that we love to refer to for those families that are just starting their search to communities but maybe aren't ready. Right. Um, that Alzheimer's Association hotline is so important. It is really important. So um, talking about memory care again, what, I'm just curious nowadays what the average monthly cost of memory care is in Tucson. And I'm sure our audience is curious if insurance covers it or not. <laughs> well, unfortunately, only long-term care insurance policies cover uh, senior living, usually of any kind, um, which you have to be paying for, usually for a very long period of time. Right. Um, so it is usually an out-of-pocket expense, anywhere from, I'd say on the low end, about 5000 a month to the upward end recently i've heard of ten thousand oh, a my month <laughs> in arizona no less right we used yeah. to only hear those numbers in no california way. ten thousand yeah. dollars it a depends month. on where you're looking and what their level of services look like so some communities charge for a level of service so a level of care mm -hmm. on top of a room and board many memory care communities i'm seeing are going to all-inclusive rates which i think makes a lot more sense which From are much gold bathrooms lower. and uh, <laughs> gold-plated toilets uh, you think or, or, does or whatever. You would think. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh. I don't know. So we talked about how you keep your residents safe and a lot of that has to do with the community being secured, mm -hmm. right? And what else do you think plays into that? I think it's a matter of having, you know, that that whole team oversight. So we've got certified care staff. Um, we also use resident assistance. So we have a lot of extra eyes on. Yep. Um, and our whole management team, our nurse, uh, our executive director, myself, you know, all of us are kind of throughout the community all day, keeping an eye out, seeing what's going on. You know, there's a lot of in a licensed setting like ours, we're required to do drills. We're required mm. to do head right. counts. We're tr required to do those things that keep those residents safe, including elopement drills. We have to prepare for lo yeah. losing someone, for somebody walking yeah. away. Uh, no, I think that's good to do all these. like being on yeah. a cruise ship or something. You, you've <laughs> got to do all those things. You and know? so we do those things so that we're prepared <laughs> and so that for the instance that, hey, nobody's seen Mary in a minute, um, we, we rush into action and we can make sure that we've got everybody safe and accounted for. So, you know, in our previous shows, we talk a lot about planning, and Morgan, you mentioned that as well. We think planning prior to a crisis is really important. Having said that, when what, what is the timeline for families to start looking for living options for, for their loved ones? Well, I think as soon as they get diagnosed, you know, I would hope most families now would be reaching out to a resource like the Alzheimer's Association that mm -hmm. can give them their resources in the community, things like support groups. Start all of that early, both for the, the person living with, living with dementia and the family. Um, but I think the sooner that people can start preparing, like I said, more and more I'm seeing the actual potential resident join us on a tour. Yeah. I think the more that they can have a say in what seems comfortable for them, I think is going to make the process much easier. Um, and it's about maybe stripping away some of that fear. I think people are fearful of what memory care looks like. You and I talked about, you know, we said wheelchairs and TV and just kind of not a whole lot happening. Yeah. So I think when they can come and see that there are people still able to chat with them and mm -hmm. tell them, hey, this is a great place to be. Well, I was going to ask you, what's it like when people come in the door? You know, is there a welcoming committee, really? God <laughs> love them standing around. Come on, we can do with you, too, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so our front door, we've got sort of a lobby area that's separated from the rest of it. But as soon as you walk into a neighborhood, I've got I've got some some nosy ladies, I will say ladies, <laughs> who are going to say, who are you? Where are you coming from? They're the birds that keep an eye on the place, oh, right? yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. But, but like, like they're welcome. Said, you know, I, I we see that so often. I'm really glad that Hope touched on that importance of the person with dementia being involved in their future. Mm -hmm. And I will say that 
we we too are seeing so much more of that. I think that speaks to the level of care and knowledge around what dementia care looks like these days. It just continues to increase. And I think people's general awareness about um, what it means to be living with Alzheimer's and they can be living well with the disease right. and they can be making choices about their future to reduce the stress and burden on themselves and their family. That's really important. And I think also generationally, right, because we're we're – in, in years past, there wasn't so much media. There wasn't so much instant information. And now people have everything at their fingertips, right? They can Google. So I think a little bit of that fear is taken away because they, you know, especially with COVID, right, Mark? Because they were doing video tours. Oh, yeah. And they were doing all yeah. of those things. So it probably seems... Because back in the day, they're like, you're not putting me in a home. I'm not going in a home. I'm not living there. Well, it's a touchy subject even today, isn't it? I mean... It is, but I'll say, I mean, you talked about that, and especially during COVID, you know, we, we've we done a lot more on Facebook. Our social mm-hmm. media presence is a lot bigger, and so we're sharing the things we're doing in the community. People are seeing the faces, and then they come in, they're like, oh, I saw you. You were on this picture. <laughs> you did this activity. So, so, so to me, I mean, you know, one of these days, I'm going to have to ask the question, right, or it's going to be popped to me. Should I live so long? But the reality is it must be the psychological factor that you're trying to get over. It's like I don't want to release maybe my independence. I I don't want to release the thought that I'm still okay. I don't want to go into a home. Well, pick one now, Mark, before you have to. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's part of it, though. You know, we still, they're they're not, our residents are not locked away forever. They still get to to come out. We go on walks around the community. We go, Mm -hmm. hopefully we're getting back to the pre-COVID going on bus trips to places. Where do you go? Tell us about that. Where do you go? Well, Catalina State Park is right up the road from us, so we'll do that. We might take a picnic. We might go to Dairy Queen and grab an ice cream. I volunteer to go to the casino. Yeah. I'll wear my mask. As long as you got the budget for the casino, we'll go to the casino. <laughs> no wine tours? Um, we haven't done that recently, but if our residents wanted to, I think we'd be open to oh, it. Oh, they'd have a ball with that one. A little, Absolutely. A little tipsy here and there. Oh, yeah. Why not? We do um, have happy hours, so there is... You do? Absolutely. Well, tell us about that. What, uh, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock? Of course. Not every day, but once a week <laughs> or for special occasions, maybe twice a week, we'll yeah. have a happy hour. Uh, we did a Cinco de Mayo, margaritas. Yeah. We can do virgin margaritas for those. Well, folks isn't that, that better that they've all got company than being alone? Absolutely. Isn't life better in something like that? Absolutely. And I think that's the point is that it becomes a social setting. You're not locked away to be forgotten about. You you still get to make friends and enjoy life maybe a little safer, maybe, you know, a little bit more security for your family. Mm-hmm. But we want our residents to still get to enjoy what they do. And and I walk around all day and I see smiles and happy faces. And so I think that's what, what makes my job that much easier and, and more fun. That's your reward. Yep. What can families do to make the process easier, do you think, on their loved ones and family then? I know you talk about, look, way back on the assessment and all of that, but... Yeah, I think the biggest piece, again, is is having them involved. And so I think the more honesty that can happen, the better. Mm -hmm. Um, For some residents, unfortunately... Honesty is maybe not the way to go. Um, and so I think families right. families, and with the education are getting more comfortable and educated with the uh, creative or therapeutic lying that sometimes needs to happen. Um, the unicorn and rainbow theory. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes there needs to be a doctor that we can blame it on that said that somebody had to move. Yeah. Um, and and most of the doctors will take that hit. So we, we <laughs> right? if they find that maybe they try that conversation with a loved one and it doesn't go well, hey, you're going to go to this community and they go blah, and they go right. off the rails, Yeah, That's so then funny. they'll probably forget. And so next time, let's not go with that story. Let's right. let's come up with something. So so is the taco good there, the food? Of course, our food's great. I will say uh, I will be thankful for COVID. Um, right. Because you those... guys have an executive. Sorry to cut you <laughs> off, but I heard you guys have an executive chef, right? We do. So we, um, you know, when COVID hit, a lot of our, our restaurant chefs were, were laid off. And so we snagged up a chef that came that worked at one of the downtown bars. And Very so nice. we've got some really, really yummy, really cool food happening. What's your favorite um, thing that the chef makes? He made, what was it? It was like a pulled pork 
like enchilada or tostada <laughs> or something. I don't know. It was something super delicious that I was like, what is that? It smells. It looks oh amazing. Well, food's a really important part of senior life. Do right? the residents Absolutely. get to choose? Do they get to tell you perhaps what they'd like on the menu? Or? So the hard part about that dementia care is that it sometimes is hard for them to make choices. So right. we do have a laid out menu that is scheduled and planned. But if somebody looks at something and is like, mm, no, thanks. <laughs> we always have backup options that they have. Plus, we go on their preferences. So if it's a day that we're serving fish and we know that Mary doesn't like fish, we're going to have another option for her available. And so it is still honoring those preferences while trying to make things a little bit easier. Right, right. Yeah, because how often would it be if you hated, I don't know, Pepsi your whole life and you move, you, you get Alzheimer's, right, Morgan? And they're shoving Pepsi down your throat all the time. No, particularly you mean Coca-Cola. If you're a Coke drinker. Well, okay, I'm a Coca-Cola drinker. <laughs> me too. Coke. If I do, I do it all. I don't it want is Pepsi. Coca-Cola. I don't want Pepsi. Don't I can't give me stand Pepsi. this stuff. Right. Yeah. Well, it really goes back to what Hope was talking about, where it's so important that you know a person's preferences, who they were before the disease, because that's really going to help provide that kind of care. So who gives us the, the, uh, the family on the initial uh, entry. Yep. So you do, what, a complete listing of, of get to know the person? Yeah, we like to have sort of, okay, give us the likes and dislikes. Give me the absolute, like, oh, I hate this, so we don't right. serve them that. Or the, oh, this is a comfort food. And then so. you kind of learn it over time, and right? And then we learn it. And I'll yeah. tell you, I've also seen people's taste change. I've sure. had somebody say, oh, my dad hates bacon. So we don't serve him bacon, and then all of a sudden he's trying to reach across his neighbor's plate <laughs> and grab the bacon. <gasps> okay, well, we're going to update that so that we know that oh he can have gosh, the bacon, too. So it, we'll, we'll make those adjustments as needed so that we're always keeping up with their preferences, even if they change. And yes, they can change. I think people don't understand that that can happen. Will you tell him when I'm off my diet, I want a cream puff. That's <laughs> what I'm it. just saying. <laughs> Morgan, I want to ask you, what can people do to make a difference, do you think, for this cause of Alzheimer's? Well, I think there's a lot that people can do. Anything from joining a clinical trial to, to help be part of the um, latest research to finding an end to Alzheimer's disease to uh, volunteering or being part of a, an event like our Walk to End Alzheimer's. All of those things are important. But you think about things like Hope mentioned, too, doing projects that engage people living with the disease. I think that's really critical. Mm -hmm. Finding meaning throughout the disease process. All of that makes a difference. So whatever you're doing, whoever you are, whether you are a caregiver, um, somebody with the disease, or not, there's always something to be done. This disease affects every single one of us, whether we know it or not. Mm -hmm. And it's up to all of us to, to make an impact and do something about it. I love that the Alzheimer's Association has support structure for family caregivers. And I say this like on every show because we have health care. You know, there's professional health care caregivers that we provide. And then there's home family caregivers. So it's two distinctions. But... The stress on the family caregiver can be a really lonely experience, right? It can be really difficult. And what we know from our latest facts and figures report, for example, here in Arizona, that over half of care family caregivers have some other chronic health condition they're living with as well. So yep. this disease doesn't just impact the person with dementia. It certainly has an impact on the family caregiver. So getting support, getting help is important, visiting a support group, um, reaching out to family and friends, making sure that you're still taking care of yourself is really important. And that's where all of our professional services are really critical, whether it's time to bring in home care, whether it's time to actually make a move, yeah. that's critical in prolonging the life and well-being of the family caregiver. And I think that's why in my company, we're so careful about making sure that in our care plans, we always incorporate activities. We always ask, what do you like? And we, we try to, um, we want to enrich the client's life. We, we want to help them enjoy their life. We're not just there to, to, you know, mop the floor, but there are times where it becomes necessary to move from home care into you know, either assisted living or memory care. And the thing I love about Tucson, and I think I say this every time, but it really does take a village to take care of our community. Absolutely. And that continuity of care and that sharing of information is something I'm very passionate about. And whether it's my service or whether it's reaching out to Alzheimer's Association or 
you know, Catalina Springs or other memory cares, you know, we're, we serve an amazing community and I, and I think we're all in this together. And, um, I just appreciate everything. So with that, how can we, um, are there any other ways you can think of that we can get involved that would help? Well, the one that comes to mind is um, coming on up at the end of October, which is the walk, <laughs> the to walk. End oh Alzheimer's. My gosh. <laughs> that is our premier event, both to raise awareness, but also critical funds for Alzheimer's care support and research. And it's um, you know it's impactful, but it's also fun. So we're planning a walk in person this year. I was going to ask, are we, we actually going to do it live? We are making all the plans and preparations <laughs> to do that safely, October. 30th here in Tucson. So you can visit awesome. alz.org Tucson walk to sign up or learn more. Awesome. When you talk about those numbers, I mean, they frighten me, Cindy, you know, 6 million national, but even in here, Southern Arizona, well, not Southern Arizona, the whole All state, 150,000. And what percentage Morgan increasing by when? So we're looking at that from 150,000 this year to over 200,000 by 2025. Well, that's only what? That's only four years away. Yeah. So we're looking at over 33%. 33% in four years. Yeah. There's got to be something causing this. The baby boomers are aging out. That's, that's a part, big of it. part of it. That's right. Mm-hmm. But is it because we live in the sun? Is it the diet? <laughs> Too much, you know, well, Mexican food? What? What's going on? We're, we're <laughs> looking at all of those factors. Too you much know, tequila. To, to, yeah. Well, tequila, I'm not sure about that. That might be a really important part of staying, <laughs> staying, staying healthy. But the we are looking at those lifestyle factors, too. And I think we're really proud of some of those the research that's coming out, looking at what we can do around lifestyle to maintain longevity and, right. and health span, not just you know living longer, but living well longer. And I get that question a lot. And I think I tell people we're living longer as a society. Right. And I think things that we didn't have a name for before, we now know it's dementia, it's Alzheimer's. Whereas I think we were seeing a lot of that. You know, I had a great grandmother who was a little off, but nobody mm. put a name to mm. it. And mm. so I think now that there is a diagnosis and a and something to do. That's true. I and think that's where it comes from. Yeah. A lot of it. So one of the questions I love to ask my guests, mm-hmm. our guests, is um, what did y'all do in 2020, the year of COVID, that you learned from that you're going to continue to do in the future. Morgan? Oh, boy. Um, let's see. That's a great question. What, what did I... I learn during COVID that I'm going to continue to do? Or what did you forward? implement during the year of COVID? Yeah, what were you forced to implement? Maybe? Like one of our guests <laughs> said, I'm going to wash my hands all the time forever and ever. <laughs> no. I certainly did a lot of that. Right. Yes. I think the other one is just trying to find some balance. You yeah. know, I think knowing that. Um, like the, so many of the family caregivers and the families that we fa- that we serve, you can't carry it all on your own. Nope. And so, you know, extending that network, taking care of yourself, all of that stuff really hit home during COVID. And I think now that COVID's lifted, you know, I, I would say whether it's my company or any other uh, great agency in Tucson, get respite care, get a break. With, you know, take four hours out of the week, go have coffee with your girlfriends, go golfing with the boys, take some time off. There is there is no shame in that, and you need it for your personal well-being. And so um, we're always happy to help with that. But I honestly, I just want you to get the respite you need, whether it's with us or whether it's with anybody else in Tucson. So more, uh, Morgan, <laughs> hope you're up. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm with Morgan. I think it's about a little bit more balance. Um, there was a favorite musician of mine who was doing a, a happy hour live streamed on Facebook every single week since he couldn't have concerts. Aww. And so my husband and I developed a tradition of sitting and like enjoying the happy hour together, having a drink and enjoying that. And I don't know that I had as much work-life balance. Yeah. Pre-COVID. And so I've taken that away and we've definitely focused ourselves. We are now also dieting a little bit more just because, you know, all the all, all the beer didn't help. All, right. <laughs> I know. But I think just just a balance in life in general. I think I, with Morgan. Right, it doesn't have to be people are so confused. You hear to, I was listening today uh, to a certain particular station driving in and, uh, you know, uh, big deal. You've had a vaccination. What do you do? Means nothing. You could still get the thing. You got to get a second vaccination. Oh, but there's no guarantee you wouldn't get it again. I mean, people must be so confused. 
really, of what to believe, what not to believe. Then there's those saying, you know, hey, I've had one. I don't need another, you know. And that's well, what's that's just that's, silly. That's silly, isn't it? <laughs> Things are coming out. What um, commit? We need commit. If you're yeah. going to get one, just get two. Commit and get the whole thing done. Uh, by the way, uh, when, folks, when it comes to uh, both Hope and uh, and Morgan, uh, all their details. I'm not going to go through them all now. The LinkedIn, the Twitters, the Birdie Birdies, the Facebooks, <laughs> and all that jazz. That's all on the site. Okay, just go to TucsonBusinessRadio.com, and it's all on the uh, all on the site there for you to uh, to get hold of. Now we've still got a little bit to go. Um, where are you from originally, Morgan? Are you uh, Tucsonan? I am now, but originally from Montana. So I grew up in a ah, uh, big sky country. Big sky country in a town called Missoula, Montana. Oh, wow. mm, I've never heard of that name, Missoula. Beautiful spot in the Rocky Mountains and mm-hmm. um, lived a long time there before following my now wife down here to Tucson. And Was that what brought you here? That is what brought me here. And, <laughs> you know, Tucson, I just love it so much. It, you know, I've stayed because of. The amazing people and culture and all the things that we love about the desert southwest. How many kids do you guys have? Zero so far. We've oh, got two. Because you were talking babies. about Will Smith earlier, so I was just wondering. <laughs> yeah, no kids yet. Down okay. the road eventually, but right now we've got some fur babies <laughs> to keep us busy. To, for our audience to know, we were we were talking about the COVID. 10, 20, 30, and 40 that everybody's <laughs> packed on sitting at home eating pretzels and chocolate. So uh so so were you in the industry back up in montana you know when i was in montana so my my background and training is actually early on was in sustainable agriculture and my first uh work with older adults um aside from you know as a kid having lots of surrogate grandparents and network of older older people in my life Uh, was working on this farm, this neighborhood farm, with kids that were in the youth court system. Mm -hmm. And we would drive around. um, They would harvest vegetables, grow them, learn small business skills. We'd drive around to long-term care communities uh, a couple times a week. They'd set up these farmer's markets for residents. Residents would come out, and we'd have... Um, teenagers with blue hair and we'd have old ladies <laughs> with blue hair and they'd be exchanging vegetables across the table I and sharing that. stories and it was just this amazing program that brought together youth and seniors mm. and um, that was so inspiring that when I moved to Tucson I saw this position open for the association uh, it seemed like a natural fit and that I could put some of those same skills to work that's um, awesome so your wife still works my wife works here, yeah, in Tucson. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely, and loves it. Because, as you said, she she came down and you followed. But uh, yeah, she works and she runs. She's uh, an elite marathon runner as well. So wow. mm-hmm. well, there's fitness in the family, all right, isn't there? This is the. What about you, do. Hope? Are you originally a Tucsonan? Um, you were blowing like me. Come on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm originally from New Mexico, okay. uh, but have been in Arizona most Tucson most of my life. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm. Well, that's a next custom. door neighbor, anyway, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, basically. It's a bit Tucson born and bred. <laughs> I consider myself born and bred, even though I wasn't born. Oh. But. What have you noticed with the changes over the years regarding in what you do now and what Morgan's involved in? What have you seen over the last, you know, 10, 15 years? Yeah, I'll say, you know, I've been in the industry for going on 10 years. This is my 10th year in the industry. And I do feel like Cindy mentioned earlier, there's more acceptance, there's more education. There are just so much, there's so much more conversation happening around um, seniors and dementia care and what dementia looks like. And it's, it's exciting. I almost think it makes things easier for me now and what I do because there's so much more conversation happening that I feel like wasn't happening um, even when I first started in the industry, it, mm-hmm. it wasn't. I'll say even in my own family. This is a good thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Even in my own family, you know, I have a, a great uncle who's got dementia and I feel like we all knew years ago that that was the case. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now there are much more open conversations of how is he doing? How can we support you? How can we support each other and him? And I think that that conversation is just much more yep. comfortable now with the knowledge that's out there. And again, that's why we do the show, right? Because we, we, we want to pick your brains and give our audience that information. 
so that yeah. they have Yeah, it. it's only episode four. We've had terrific feedback so far, which is great. So we'll continue doing it. And uh, Cindy's very adamant about trying to cover so many topics, so many, and involving so many people, you know, that we can uh, in Tucson to be involved. You haven't had any negative yet, have you? Nobody's not said they don't want to come on or anything. No, not at all. I mean, truly, I think that it's a platform for folks to be able to speak their mind and share their knowledge. And that's really what we're trying to do is share our knowledge with our community um, they you know audiences can call us they can write in if they have questions if I don't know the answer I'm in the industry for a really long time and I'm not going to say the number <laughs> and um, <laughs> if I don't know the answer we're going to reach out to the expert in the field and we're going to get you that answer because um, there's too many times Mark where folks get in an emergency situation and then you know, they fall, they break a hip, they go to the hospital, they might go to a skilled nursing facility, and then what? There's nobody at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and so we want to give people tools so that they can pre-plan, pick your home care agency before you ever need it. You know, we've had a, we had a lot of people that pre-registered with us during COVID mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. in case they got sick. Pick your assisted living, you know, reach out to the Alzheimer's Association, find out what programs they have. And and like Morgan said, there's a lot, you know, the information on there's free. Um, there's you can call Hope. I mean, we have Tucson's a very generous community, and I love that about Tucson. So one of the things that we're doing is we're, we have a movement going called Grab the Bars, and we're raising money to install two grab bars in a senior's home. And why? Because it's fall prevention and we can keep people safer longer. And we're mm-hmm. going to have a big event on July 12th at the Savoy Opera House. So Love it. save the date. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the whole thing, the promotion again, Sydney, is about what? It's about Jeff Salter, who is the founder of Caring Senior Services, riding his electric bike 9,000 miles to every single office across the United States. I think he's in Maryland right now, or yesterday he was in Maryland. Mm. And the electric bike is because everybody needs assistance, right? And along (laughs) the way, uh, we have cyclists that are greeting him. Um, We have some folks from my BNI group that are going to probably escort him out of town, not into town, because it's (laughs) going to be hot in July. They're not going to want to come in, uh, ride down from the freeway or wherever he's at um, into east side of Tucson. But it's all it's it's all to raise awareness about. Some of our seniors that are left behind, mm-hmm. that don't have grab bars, that don't have some of these basic things that they need to keep them safe. One of the things that I would love to do, Mark, um, I have a great idea. I love those grab bars. I think they're marvelous. They're, they? they're really great. I could use one as much as I fall down half the they time. They should be a necessity. And um, what do you call it? Should be by law. I tell you. Well, you know, the. People have gotten fancier and, and, you know, some of these companies have gotten a little creative. But one of the projects that I want to do is I'm going to do the music project for our clients. Um, Do you know what I'm talking about, Morgan? I do, yeah. So putting together playlists for people with dementia, is that what you mean? Yep. Yeah, music from their from their lives that they love. That Mm, they love. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked about it. So they recognize that. Hmm? Yeah, they recognize it. And, and oh, yeah. if you, you can Google it, Mark, on YouTube, mm-hmm. and you can see the clear difference. Like, there might, there, there's one guy, I can't remember his name, but he was, like, not present at all. And they played his favorite music. And he, like, woke up, and he was so happy. And, wow. and, and I think a lot of times for families that are dealing with, with uh, memory issues, everybody's looking for that 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 moment of clarity where they can connect with their family member because sometimes that goes and yes. they don't get that yes and this is a way it could be done and sometimes music can open that window into it's fabulous. Their clarity again. Well, we're just about to round up, but, but quickly, I'd like you just to share with maybe somebody who's tuned in for the first time. Uh, go to TucsonBusinessRadio.com, and you're going to see all the episodes. But we've only had four episodes, right? And we've covered what so far, basically? Oh, gosh. Put me on the spot. Mm-hmm. So we've covered hospice. 
Um, the laws. We've covered POA, so we call it, um, let's see, what was it? DNRs, mm-hmm. POAs, all of that stuff. Um, we've in- covered insurance and investments. If you need to spend down your money, if you're in that place where you're not so much uh, focused on wealth accumulation, you're more focused on spending down. Um, let's see who, and then we had, um, we had assisted living and Ben Silverman was with us. And then we had, um, Tom Pothoff who owns Serenity Senior Services with Danny. And they talked about what referral placement services were and what they do. So you can kind of see, we have like this cornucopia of stuff great topics there's really a lot to talk topics. about too that's good. there's so much and on almost every show we was like it's like i i always tell mark like i want to dive more into the alzheimer's association <laughs> i want to dive more into memory care so i mean everybody in this industry mark we could go down this rabbit hole for weeks and weeks and weeks and never touch everything well there's plenty to go so as we say with all of our guests you know we give you the links you're welcome to play them and it helps everybody so we appreciate you doing that and play them on your social media and on your websites. So, and we get the word out more for people. Okay. Definitely. So, today our guests were we have Morgan and we have Hope, and they came from. They came from, well, Hope is from Catalina Springs Memory Care, and Morgan um, comes to us from the Alzheimer's Association of Southern Arizona, uh, Southwest. Desert chapter. Did I get that Very right? Very close. Desert Southwest chapter. Okay, Very almost close. got it. Close enough. <laughs> and uh, I just want to thank you guys for being here. It was a fun show, and we learned a lot. And I hope our audience learned a few things that they may not have known. Well, yeah. thanks for having these conversations. They're really important, and thanks for bringing us on. Thank you. It's been an Anytime. absolute pleasure. Thank you. We trust you enjoyed another Home Care Today where we, you know, try to dig out a special something just for you. We hope you gathered something from the show today. And look out for the emails that are coming out as well around uh, Tucson and surrounding areas. And uh, just check it out. And you can check the shows. And there's also soon there's lovely discounts for you from our Cindy's Helpers. They're people that have volunteered to say, you know what, we'd love your show. And we'd love your, your listeners to get a real benefit from us. Can we do that? So we vet them and think about, okay, well, how good's the deal? So listen, get on to those. They're wonderful things for you to benefit by. Don't waste it. It's called Cindy's Helpers, okay? And they're on the bottom of the email when you go all the way down on the beautiful colored emails that come out. For now, though, we've got to go. Home Care Today, it's been a pleasure having you, and we'll talk to you soon. Home Care Today, where you get to meet the who's who of the Tucson home care industry. The podcast is live streamed at 3.30 p.m. every first Monday of the month and on demand on most popular podcast platforms. Questions or suggestions, please contact C. Scheller at caringinc.com or Mark Bishop at businessradiox.com. Home Care Today is a Mark Bishop media production.